This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right. It's a brand spanking new episode of your women's basketball podcast, ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. Uh, in case you have not been tuning in, it is WNBA season, y'all. So we have a full show with myself as your host, uh, Devereaux Peters, the two-time WNBA champ as our co-host, and of course, our fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. We'll be joined by Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces in this show. We'll also talk about what we think the WNBA All-Star criteria should be. Um, we'll take a look at a big matchup coming up between Phoenix and Connecticut and the possible return of the GOAT, Diana Taurasi. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about on the show, but um, I just want to run down before we jump into the first quarter, in case you have not heard, the WNBA All-Stars were named, and congratulations. I'll run through the names. First of all, Asia Wilson and Elena Deladon, and if you flip that, I think believe that was the order of the vote. So Deladon was the number one vote getter, and um, Asia Wilson was number two. They will be the captains of this year's All-Star team. If you don't remember, um, the captains actually get to pick their teams so that is going to be fun and that will be broadcasted on espn we'll give you the scoop for that next week on next week's show um the all-star game itself in case you haven't heard is july 27th it's at mandalay bay event center so you should try to get there try to come to all-star it's always a great time for wba fans to get together and um celebrate you know kind of like the halfway point of the season and all the great play we've seen so that game will be uh, on the 27th on ABC at 3.30 p.m. Eastern if you're not able to actually make it. The starters, Elena Deladon, Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage, Chelsea Gray, Brittany Griner, Natasha Howard, John Quill Jones, Jewel Lloyd, Kayla McBride, Kia Nurse. And that is not in any particular order. So congratulations to those players. I believe the coaches will now vote on the reserve. So they'll get a say on that end of it. Um, yeah, but that's it. And we're going to talk a little bit about the criteria. You know what? Let's get into that now in the first quarter. First quarter. All right, guys. So we're going to play a little game today called Something or Nothing. I'm going to give you guys a topic, and I want you to tell me if it's something, like it's a big deal, or nothing. Shouldn't even worry about it, okay? So, obviously, with the news of the captains and the starters for All-Star Game coming out, um, we're going to start off with that. So, this year, um, for for our All-Star voting, 50% of the vote went to the fans. 25% of the vote went to WNBA players. And the final 25% went to writers and broadcasters. So, China, I want to start with you. Looking at that breakdown and then looking at who actually made the all-star team, is it something or nothing that 50% goes to the fans, 25% goes to the players, and 25% goes to writers and broadcasters? Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations to everyone that was named an all-star. It's an honor, no matter how you look at it, that fans, media, you know, your 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 colleagues or your fellow, you know, players in the WNBA think you're good enough to put you in there. That means something. So that's a big deal. And, um, you know, I think 
yeah. So let me just say congratulations to everybody that made it. Now, is it something? To me, it's something. Now, this conversation starts much like we start talking about who's your MVP or any of the awards that you see given out. The criteria is different for everyone, right? So some people think the All-Star Game is an opportunity for you to see your favorite player, period, okay? Fans is is mostly what I'm talking about here since they have, what'd you say, Tariqa, 50%? Yeah, they have the largest So vote. some fans don't have not even seen maybe their favorite player play all season, <clears throat> Diana Tarazi. But if there's a chance that Diana Tarazi can be in the All-Star game, they're going to put her in there because that's their favorite player. Some people think the All-Star game is a chance for those players that have performed well up to this point in the season to get recognized, to have a little fun. Show up in Vegas. Why not? Liz Cambage is going to be DJing and Snoop Dogg is going to be performing. That's really all I know. That's all I needed to hear. (laughs) Some people think that all-star voting is about your friends, who you like, who you don't like, things like that. Has nothing to do with what's happening on the court. Oh, I like the way she dresses. I'm going to vote for her. That's fine. Guess what? Because you have a vote, the criteria is yours. So let me just say that off top there is no wrong vote because nobody's ever specified what the all-star is supposed to be no one's telling you what to do how to vote my thing is i see the all-star as an opportunity to recognize players that have played well to that point in the season hence why the coaches end up being from the teams that are in the top slots um at the time the game happens because it's a reward it's hey you've done well won't you come out to all-star my my problem is that I think, based on what I see All-Star is as, the fans love y'all. Tweet me if you want to. They have way too much control over who All-Stars are. And I'm even a little skeptical about the players voting because I played, Dev, you played, Tarika, you played. Like, if somebody does you dirty during the game like every time you play them or you feel like it's dirty or you think it's wrong are you going to vote for them when your opportunity comes around to put an all-star if you're a grown woman probably but most of us ain't grown we petty okay period team petty team petty so all (laughs) i'm saying is i think it is something because people who may rightfully deserve an opportunity to be an all-star Based on my criteria or what I think is important, probably get snubbed because, hey, I don't like her or her outfit or she gets on my nerves. That's all. Dev? I I agree. I I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm tripping as much about it because I feel like that's the way it has been. <laughs> it's essentially kind of a popularity contest, as you can see by Diana getting so many votes without even playing. (laughs) Like, even Candace in the beginning had a bunch of votes before she even played. So I get it. And I absolutely agree that, you know, players sometimes be haters. I know for a fact I'm not voting for somebody I don't like. So (laughs) that can skew the votes a little bit as well. Um, I'm not as bothered by it because I feel like this is the way that things have been for a while. I don't think that even with, like, All-Star Game, even sometimes with some of these votings for, like, the end of the year voting with, like, defensive pay of the year, sometimes those stats are a little – I'm a little skeptical with some of the names that come out. So 
I feel like that's just a part of the way the game goes. All-star voting is what it is. And while I agree that I think it should be what the player has done up to that point and how well they've been playing and those are the players that should make it in, it it doesn't always end up that way. And it's been like that for a while. So, I mean, I don't, I'm going to say it's nothing just because this has been the case. It is what it is. Fans are going to vote for and who they like. Well, it, can I say this one more thing, Trika? Because I know you're about to jump into The other thing is that sometimes people just go and see who's scoring the most points. Or, you know, like, go in, okay, she's a top scorer, so she should be an all-star. Well, she's shooting 12% from the field. <laughs> or how about your team is in 18th place in the league? Yes, I said 18th. And so you're going to vote two players on from the 18th place team. Like, some of that kind of stuff I just don't get. Like, what are you rewarding? You know, like, anyway, go ahead, Tariqa. I know you got something to say. I'm going, I'm, I'm clearly, I'm a little under the weather. <laughs> so all I'm going to say is um, that we have a guest on the line. We got Asia Wilson on the line. Oh, we should have just let Asia jump in. <laughs> Asia. Man. What's so, going on, girl? While I'm looking at these fan hey. votes, Asia got 26,475 of them. So maybe the, we need to get the fans a little bit more credit. Listen, Asia got fans out here. <laughs> when you get to Asia's level, there's like some players you can't touch any year when it comes to All-Star. Asia's going to be one of those players because she's going to get the fan vote. Absolutely. Yeah. She's likable. Is that is Thank that what you, you would say, Asia? Your, your game cocks? Is that who's causing all this ruckus on the all-star charts? Probably. I would not be surprised if Gamecock Nation showed up or showed out. That's what they're all about. Same. Well, fans, in case you don't know um, who we're talking about, we're joined by our guest for today's show, none other than Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces, who are rolling, Asia. Y'all starting to get it together. What's what's working over in Vegas? Bill had to yell at y'all, or what What happened? I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of that and everything in between. You know, he is he's really letting us have it at the same time. He's letting us grow. He's letting us build, and I think that's what's been helpful. Like, we're just starting to get used to one another. I think the, we're all making adjustments and sacrifices, of course. That's the whole part of being on the team, and we're clicking. We're clicking at the right time, so I'm not going to complain at all. Sacrifices? What that sound like? What kind of sacrifices? Less shots, or you got to dive on the floor more, or what's that look like? Yeah, like just just the adjustment, just the adjustment of everything, and and with the expectations that everyone kind of have on us, you know, it it, it kind of gets to everybody. It gets to a competitor, but you know, we're buckling down, we're blocking out all the outside noises, and we're really holding each other down, and and that's what it's all about. I'm having a ton of fun, ton of fun. Well, I know Dev ain't mad because she picked Las Vegas Listen, to go all the way. So she's I, gloating right I now. I just want to personally thank you, Asia, because I have been able to talk so much smack to these two. Today is going to be my day now that y'all are in number one, and I'm so excited. <laughs> you know what, Dev? We have had it with you because it's a long you know? season. Nothing against Asia, but let's not get carried away, okay? <laughs> I mean, how many times has L.A. been number one? Hey, hey. Time oh. Phoenix been number. Oh, okay. I was just. Oh, uh, whatever. I was just wondering. <laughs> Asia, one of the big conversations and one of the reasons, you know, why I think a lot of people were picking you guys first is because of the addition of Liz Cambage to your team. Yeah. What has that been like with you two playing together, trying to find your chemistry? Um, and even just in your two personalities, like your two really big personalities, but how is it working both on and off the court for you two? 
Yeah, it's been good. It's been great. You know, I think it, it's been good in our favor because, you know, we, we're used to kind of having that pressure, having to kind of put the team on our back and carry each other. Uh, but now at this time, you know, we can really pressure from each other. And then we got our guards shooting the lights out of the basketball, and it's helping us a lot because, you know, teams have to guard each and every last one of us. They can't double-team us like they normally do. They can't focus and game plan on just one person. And I think that's really kind of helped us out because, you know, we kind of could take a step back and say, whew, it's okay, we're good, we're still good. And I think that's always good to have that in your back pocket. And I think off the court, you know, we're laughing, we're always joking, um, and that's always a good feeling to have in the locker room. And we also hold each other accountable at the same time. So it's been great. Uh, she's been a great addition for all of us, including, of course, myself as well, being out there on the court. Asia, we were just talking about uh, the All-Star festivities and considering that you have are such a young team and you've got such a huge event that's coming to your city, what is that like for, for the team to now be in first place, to have the All-Star game coming? What is that like? How does that feel to the, to the city and to yeah. the team? Yeah, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it's truly a blessing. It really is a blessing. I mean, just to have the great setup that Las Vegas brings and to be a part of it all. I mean, it's, it's an honor and a blessing and it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, we're feeling good. We're playing good. And we have a fan base that is growing on us. Like I think they're just like coach would always say, you know, at least let the fans leave and say, dang, they played their butts off. And I think they're starting to see that, which means they keep coming back because they want to see us win. They want to see us grind out games. And I think that's the beauty of it all. And I think, Vegas does a great job of broadcasting us and especially now with All-Star and even with Summer League being there. It's just a huge deal in Vegas and I think we're all glad to be athletes there in Vegas. What do you like about it there, Asia? Like, I I hear players talk about that all the time with Las Vegas. Like, we love it here. It's a good setup. Like, when you say a good setup, like, what kind of things, um, you know, does Vegas do that just make you guys feel like the premier athletes that you are? I mean, like, I could just be driving home on the strip and I just see a big poster or a marquee of my teammate saying next game is this or this is what's going on. And I think that is huge. You mean, I mean, like, you feel love. You feel like, dang, like, that's one of my teammates up there or that's myself. And when people can see you and when people can see your face everywhere or just see the Aces logo everywhere, it bring it lures people in. And I think that's the beauty of it all. And, of course, just, just the way they treat us. I mean, they just... We're like the, we just feel like top athletes, as we should, and I think that's always great. And I, I mean, I can't even put into words how MGM just really just makes sure everything is taken care of, taken care of for us. Yeah, y'all look like y'all are always having fun, especially Sydney Colson. <laughs> that girl's a fool. Okay, I'm a, I've known Sydney for since I feel like forever, and she has not changed one bit. Like she is so funny. We need yes, a deal for her. Yes, everyone needs a Sydney in, her, in their locker room. I promise you that. Keep it light. So what has this year been like for you? Because I know you started off a little slow, um, yeah. you know, coming into the season, but you spent some time off doing an injury. So what was what was it like coming in from the off season, having been injured, but then, you know, kind of how the season has ebbed and flowed for you so far this year? Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel great. I feel, I feel great. I feel probably a lot better than I did last year around this time. Uh, honestly, and I just, I think I'm just starting to get a feel for just everything on the mental side. That's something that I really wanted to focus on in the off season when I was going through injury. It's just how can I buckle down on just the little things? Uh, of course, expanding my game, but I need to make sure that 
my game right now is as sharp as it can be. And that's just being consistent on the offensive end, consistent on just being a good leader or a teammate. And I think that's something huge. And I feel, I feel great. Uh, of course, the pressure gets to me at times, as it would for any human being. But, you know, I really rely on my teammates, and they really help me out in different situations. So I feel a lot better than I did last year. I think I don't know everything, but I definitely know a step of kind of like how Bill wants me to play or how he expects me to my role or like how he wants me to be a part of this team. And what is that expectation or how has that, if at all, changed now that a little bit of that can go on Liz Cambage's plate? You know, because he, I know when we had your game, he made it clear to me, like, this is still Asia's team. And so it sounded like none of that pressure was going to be coming off of you. But how have you handled, how has that aspect been, you know, like like having Liz but still being a, the dominant player you are? Um, it's It's been a good aspect. I mean, I, I'm surrounded by great players. So, you know, the pressure's all relief. So it gives me the freedom to play at a very, very high level and at, and also hopefully a good level. But I think the biggest thing that's helped me is, you know, last year, Bill and I were kind of new to each other. So he was kind of holding my hands in situations and talking me through things and just letting me figure it out on my own. But this season, he's really being like straight up and saying, yo, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to get it done. And I think he's just being really straight, even more straightforward than Bill is already. And I think that's really helped me out a lot because there's no, there's no gray area. There's no sugarcoating uh, in this league, of course. So just for him to come out and still trust me in situations, I think that's really kind of helped my confidence as well. Because I'm like, you have all these people on this team, and you still trust just this second-year player? Like, that's huge <laughs> for me. And I, I, I'm very grateful to be in the situation that I'm in. You guys have had a lot of pressure on you, you know, all year. A lot of people thought, um, think that you're uh, favored to win the championship this year. Um, and you've had some up and downs throughout the season, but – you like you said like we said earlier, you guys are in number one right now. What do you think that you all need to do to really close out the season at the highest level? Uh, honestly, I think it just comes from us uh, playing with a lot of energy. I think we kind of like take a deep breath at times and you really can in this league. And I think it's just really coming out and just really getting a grasp on the first five minutes of the basketball game. I think those are the most important things. And Coach always says the value of two points. And I think that's also very important. That could be a turnover, a rebound, or just a bucket. So really capitalizing on those things and uh, making sure that those are clean and cut and secure, and I think we'll be fine. You have a lot going on off the court too, Asia. Um, Don't worry, we'll let you go in a minute. I know you have a 4 o'clock appointment, but we um, one thing that stood out to me is like your deal with Mountain Dew, right? Like that was a huge thing (laughs) and, and how that all came about. And just tell me how that came about from your standpoint and kind of what it's meant to you um, as far as your off-the-court endeavors? Yeah, it really just kind of popped up out of nowhere. It wasn't something that I kind of went out and saw after. It it was just kind of all happened. Uh, This guy kind of met up with my manager, and then it went on from there. I honestly didn't know that I was the first WNBA athlete, I guess, because I wasn't really paying attention to Mountain Dew like that. But it's just, it was a huge deal because, you know, I just thought, oh, gosh, they don't make me drink this soda and all this stuff. But no, like they really (laughs) dig down deep and they find different ways to relate to us all. And it brings us all together. I think I had a chance to go to NBA All-Star and they had like this Mountain Dew Lounge and they got a chance for us to all meet each other as do like kind of do ambassadors. But then also the fans to meet us. And I think that was huge to have my face there and kind of say, oh, hey, the WNBA is here too as well. So it was huge to kind of be that 
ambassador for them on that side of the of the basketball the kind of ambassador side of it and I was I just had a lot of fun they're just really energetic they really want to like say okay what's next how can we be better how can we get fans like bought into you Asia and I think that's huge I mean people see us as athletes of course and it's tough (laughs) and but at the same time you know, they have stuff in South Carolina where my fans in South Carolina can win tickets to a Vegas game if they just, like, buy a Mountain Dew and you never know. So really connecting to, like, back home, even though I'm not there, and I think that's huge. Yeah, shout-out to my girl Sharice, um, who yeah. I know is from South Carolina. Yeah, she's making things happen in Mountain Dew. I was like, okay, so yeah, South Carolina yeah, hooked up yeah. with South Carolina and Mountain Dew. This is making sense. Um, but I remember walking into my room at NBA All-Star and waiting in my room was a little can of Mountain Dew with your face on it. I still have it because I'd never experienced anything like that ever with any WNBA player. Also, when I checked into my room in Vegas last year, on my desk was a was a magazine, and you were on the cover of it. And those are the kind of little yeah. things that the WNBA needs, the placement, the, oh, guess who this is, for people who may not know about the WNBA or Asia Wilson or whoever. Um, you yeah. know, those little pops when you see your face here and there to, in the general population can mean everything to the growth of, you know, this league and to your brand and, and even beyond there. Asia, we're, we're going to let you go here, but before we do – have to talk about all-star right so we got to get your opinion congratulations on the all-star nod um so this is the two-part question the first part is for fans that are traveling to vegas for all-star what must they do while there and then my second question is i'm gonna put you on spot with this what do you think the number one criteria should be for someone to be selected as an all-star so those are my two questions. Ooh. Start. Okay, oh, you can start okay. either way, either the criteria okay. or what do we do in Vegas for All Star. Ooh, what do you do in Vegas for All Star? I would definitely say catch a show. I, th- I know it's pretty cliche, but the Michael Jackson show is pretty big, and my my mom loved it, and it she was amazing. would not stop talking about it. Yeah, so I definitely say go there, and of course see the Bellagio fountains. Uh, I think that's always a good thing. And ooh, the number one criteria someone has to have to be an All Star. What do you think? Ooh, that is tough. Can I say like swag? Can I say it doesn't have to be basketball? I think they gotta you gotta have a little swag to you. Like you are all star, so you need to carry yourself like one. Like you gotta hold it down Ooh. for your squad. And I think swag is something huge. See, that's how these votes got messed up. Because we got Asia <laughs> Wilson out here voting for the swag queens. Oh Lord, Asia. You know what? I'm gonna let you slide because that sounded good. And we know that Vegas is a show, so you gotta be a little, you know, you gotta have some okay, swag you with you. Yes, you can't be bland. You cannot <sighs> be bland. Lord, you know what? <laughs> she said she ain't captain for a reason. Nah. She, she did. She was like, listen, you need to. You need to understand. So, Asia, with being a captain, you gonna tell us who you gonna pick or nah? No, you gotta wait for that one. Oh, you gotta wait. Okay. You All right. You I figured I'd throw it out there just in case. <laughs> we tried it. That is Asia Wilson. Thank you so much for joining the show, girl. We will see you um, in you. Vegas, and we'll see you, you know, on TV and around. Great. Thank you so much. Thank we you. appreciate you coming on. See, that's what happened to All Star. Yep. <laughs> Killed your whole argument. Yep. I mean, just <laughs> set it on fire. Swag. You know what? Man. Ugh. Tough. That is tough. All right. Oh, All right. What we got next? What well, we got next? We're going to stay on Vegas, though, because as you guys just mentioned, and as she continued to mention, 
Um, they got the number one spot. They won against Indiana 74-71 on Wednesday. They're now 10-5. and five. And, Dev, you've been talking smack all year about Vegas. Just give them a shot. Give them an opportunity to click. Well, now they've clicked. And now they're number one. So is this something or nothing? Is this a phase? Like, you know, is this going to fade out? Or have they finally reached that point that we all knew they were going to reach? And now we should just expect them to stay there. Something or nothing. I, I'm, of course, going to say it's something, um, especially considering the point in the season we're at. This is a great time for them to be clicking the way that they are. They're Even in the close games, they're finishing out games. They've had a couple blowouts. They're really just killing it right now. Their pregame little situation is looking great. You know, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. And while I hope this continues, this little streak continues for quite some time, you know, I feel like right now they've really hit their stride and hopefully can continue to do so throughout the playoffs because we all know that considering the playoff structure, where you land and getting that top spot is really important if you can get those two buys. So I think they're doing great. I think it's something. I think they're going to look good for the rest of the season and hopefully continue to click like this and be able to maintain and close out games. And, you know, this is my squad, so I'm, I'm just so happy to be here right now. <laughs> And be able to throw this in y'all face. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's just go on ahead and bust this little bubble. And I'm gonna say it's nothing. Okay. <laughs> like, how many teams is in this league have gone on a winning streak? Chicago's winning streak gone. Seattle's winning streak gone. Indiana Fever, I think, was on a streak sometime. They're gone. I mean, it, it's been such a streaky season. Congratulations to the Aces. But a win at New York and what, Indiana, their last two, mm, that doesn't really move the meter. I'll tell you what saved Las Vegas. And not that I don't think they're going to be a great team. They could very well be in the finals. Like, I, I don't, they're no, they're not on my, depending on how healthy people are coming back. And y'all know who I'm talking about. They could or could not <laughs> make it to the finals. But at the end of the day, my thing is an earthquake saved the Aces, okay? Because we could put this four-game winning streak <laughs> out here if you want to, but when that earthquake hit Vegas, and I should have asked Asia Wilson about that, honey, they were down 15 at home and looked bad. I'm talking about Washington was putting a whooping on them, and it took an earthquake to pull them out of it. Now, they're still going to have to play that game and finish it which is a whole nother conversation that we could have because that's just going to be the weirdest thing ever. Though I am glad that they're going to pick the score up where it was. I think that's fair. Um, but when they're going to play that game, who knows? But long story short, when that, when that earthquake shook, Washington was showing Vegas what a number one team looked like. Now, there have been a lot of moving pieces to this season. It's been the weirdest season ever. I mean, now Atlanta's won two games. You know, people that were on the bottom or at the top, what, Connecticut's lost five games in a row. They were number one just two seconds ago. So this streaking really isn't about a lot. Whoever finds their their stride and their consistency and their identity at the right time and is healthy, that's the team that's going to, you know, going to win out. And I don't say that every year. Like, this year is just weird in that way. Like, tic-tac-toe or... One, two, three, or whatever. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I don't know. Like, I have no idea who's going to win night in and night out. But give me another, I'd say, three weeks. And I'll after All-Star break, I'll, I'll be able to tell. Well, you know what? I'm actually very happy that you brought up the Connecticut Sun. 
because as you mentioned, they did lose five in a row after being on a seven game win streak. And now they're in the number three spot behind Washington and Vegas. And I remember having a conversation a couple weeks ago where we were talking about how important it was going to be to find someone to bring that energy off the bench that we were getting with Lasia Clarendon since she's been out. But I don't think either of us thought they were going to lose five games in a row. Um, that's a pretty big deal. I think, I think it's something, but LaChina, is it really something or is it nothing? I'll say this. <clears throat> I did Connecticut's game against Minnesota at home and uh, let me start. Yes. I think it's something I did their game against Minnesota um, at home and it was a, it's a great game. Got to work with Cynthia Cooper. What? Yes. Cheryl Swoops was in the studio. We were feeling them Houston Comet vibes like nobody's business. We raised the roof. We had a ball. Anyway, um, I say it's something because Connecticut, not because it's not a long season, because it is. It's a 34-game season. There's so many games to be played. And based on the playoff structure, you only got to beat somebody once to advance in the first couple of rounds. So it's like, hey, Anybody can get there. My problem is that I think this is a team that needs to find consistency now in order to be the best team that they can in the playoffs. Like we've said on this podcast, John Cole Jones has said on this podcast, like nobody's thinking about the Connecticut Sun during the regular season when they do well. But now that they're losing, you're starting to say, well... This may be important for them to get over the hump later on in the season, for them to not be losing, for them to not have a lack of confidence, for them to not have lows like this, for them to know how to pick themselves up. And that's the mark of a great team, and that's where this team is headed, um, is that they could be a great team. They could totally be in the finals. But the mark of a great team is do you know how to get yourself over the hump? Can you get off of a losing streak? Can you have the toughness at home, you know, because – Let's be honest, it's not easy to win on the road. A lot of these teams, these games they're losing are on the road. It's not easy to win on the road in this league. But can you go home against a Minnesota and get your confidence back and get your winning back and get your – so that's what concerns me about the Connecticut Sun is like these games could come back to haunt them in the playoffs if they do get in a series. Like how do you come back when you're down? How do you keep your confidence in those moments? How do you pick each other up? when you are on that line between good and great and and get over the hump. Like, to me, they've got to get some more of that toughness and get over the hump now in order to get over the hump later. I agree. I think it's something because I think you also have to keep in mind that, you know, a lot of these players are playing year-round. So we hit a point in the season, usually sometime in July – more usually more towards the end of July where people start getting tired. Um, it's a long year. People start getting worn down. And their teams, even if they're doing really well, they may drop some games. But five games is a lot of games to drop in a row. And there has to be a point where you stop the bleeding. And we talked about, you know, at the beginning of the season how, you know, Connecticut, they are trying to reach a point where they separate themselves and make that next step to get to the point where they're one of the elite teams that know how to pick them up, themselves up, like you said. And right now it's not looking like they're able to do that. And from the games that I've been seeing, they um, when you're when you're at a point where you're starting to hit these lows and you're, you drop a few games, 
you have to go back to, you know, like those staples. And for me, their defense has not been great. And especially their second line of defense has not been great. And when you're having these periods where you're losing like this and you're trying to figure out where you're going to make that next step and how you're going to gather yourself, that has to be there and it hasn't been. So for me, I'm kind of like, where are they going to get it from? Um, they've struggled a bit on offense. They had some players that were struggling a bit um, that they get a little bit more from, but sometimes it has to be buckled down. We're going to play some D's to grind out this game, and they haven't been there. So I'm a little concerned moving forward how they're going to get out of this hole right now. And then even then, like LaChina said, when you get to the playoffs and you start having teams step up even more, how are you going to get dig yourselves out of those holes if you get in them? Yeah, I think it's something, but that's just a fan of me. I don't like to lose. Um, oh, <laughs> torn so, between two teams. I know, right? L.A., Connecticut, oh, or just, I don't know what to do with myself. So, um, Dev, you mentioned uh, taking it to the next level. And we just uh, had some players return back from EuroLeague basketball. And most notably, the New York Liberty will now be regaining Amanda Zawibi, Bria Hartley. Uh, they picked up Marine Johannes. All of them are coming back to this team, and this team did a great job of going four and two while they were away. So I'm going to start with you, Dev. Do you think it's something or nothing for New York to have these players back? In terms of do they have a potential now to move into a playoff spot? They're sitting at number nine. Or, yeah, a couple of players will play well, but not enough to really move the needle. I'm going to say it's something because – the people that they had leave were some big losses. Bria Hartley is huge for them. Amanda Zawizi is huge for them. And it's been playing extremely well this year. Um, and so I think for them to be coming back is going to be great for New York. I, if they can make this playoff push, I don't know. I, I'm not good. I'm not 100% that I'm feeling that yet. I think depending on what some other teams do, they may be able to sneak by. Um, but I think even, you know, at the beginning of the season with them here, they were still struggling a little bit. So I don't know if it'll be enough, but I do think it's something in the sense that they, I think that they can play better moving forward. They have, they have a chance to, to play better and to get more, um, out of those, in addition, um, out of those players moving forward and, um, hopefully get some more wins. Will it be enough for a playoff spot? Eh. But I definitely think that especially Zowie B and, and Bria Hartley will contribute a lot moving forward for them um, and being able to maintain and close out some games, hopefully. Lachina? Um, it's it's tough to say. I'm kind of on the fence. I think it's something, but then I also think it's nothing. You know, to Dev's point, they've got great players who have played well coming back, big pieces, but it's always like, okay, so how do the pieces fit back together now? How do we keep this chemistry we did have but add two layers to it? And I don't know if New York has found their groove enough with those players there or not to really cement their identity and that consistency that, you know, we talk about being so important for teams that want to make a run. Um, They have shown me a lot, though. I'll tell you that. Like, New York has more fight in them that – now than they did at the beginning of the season and they're finding out some things that are working. Kia Nurse had a stretch where she was on fire. Um, 
you know, Tanisha Wright, as I explained before on this podcast, I think is an important part of what they do. You know, Rebecca Allen will get healthy. She's had some. So really it's how do all these pieces fit back together um, and do have the Liberty learned enough about their identity to, to keep it moving. But it's kind of like, nah. you know, uh, for a team that is still cementing itself, I think the movement of ro- in the roster hurt those teams more, you know, than maybe say if you're a Phoenix at Eurobasket or if you're Emma Misaman and you're coming back to Washington, like that's only going to add a layer. Like, I don't know what pieces that big are going to do to New York and how much longer it will take them to recalibrate. Because the season ain't long. All right, ladies, last one. WNBATO. So apparently there is currently a bid to bring a WNBA team to Toronto. Given Drake's antics, given Toronto's the current NBA champions, this could be big. If it is indeed something that's going to happen. So, Dev, I'm going to start with you. A potential WNBA team in Toronto? Something or nothing? It is something. I wish I could scream this. I am I am so excited for this. We constantly talk about expansion and how there are not enough teams and that, and thus we have to cut so many players. That Adding another team would be huge for the W. If you think about it, and then adding a team in Toronto who already is big on basketball, um, it would be a great city to have it in, number one. Number two, you're adding 12 more players to the league. That's 12 more spots. That's 12 less people getting cut. I I am so excited about it. That's absolutely something. It could be really big for us, and especially in the spot that we're in right now as far as marketing and doing more on trying to expand our audience. I just think that it would be a huge move. So it's absolutely something. It is something. I'm with Dev. Excited about it, whether it be Canada or the Bay or wherever. More WNBA expanding especially into Toronto where they show like what the six is really about during the NBA finals. Like the way those fans came out, like that would be awesome to grow the brand there. So I'm in on that too. All right, ladies. Well, we will now head into our second quarter. Second quarter inside the huddle. All right, so we are just going to take a quick look at our upcoming ESPN game of the week, which is Phoenix at Connecticut, which will be airing on ESPN 2 Friday at 8 o'clock. And the Mercury will be visiting Connecticut. Um, as we mentioned, the Sun have lost five straight games since starting 9-1, and one, um, which is the longest losing streak in WNBA history by any team that has ever started 9-1. and one. Um, Phoenix, arguably, Probably been the WNBA's best team since mid-June. I mean, they've gone on a 5-1 and one record. They're tied um, with Las Vegas for the best mark in the league since that point, since June 23rd, to be specific. Um, Phoenix has just been rolling, and they've been playing without Diana Taurasi. And despite her absent, they still rank third in offensive efficiency. Brittany Griner and Dorana Bronner um, have really been the centerpieces behind Phoenix's run without Taurasi. Uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on what you are expecting from this game, what you are expecting from which team, and who needs this win more. LaChina, we'll start with you, Miss um, We Waiting on Diana. 
Come on, DT. And look, she was in. They played at Washington. She was in Washington. She was on the bench. She was dressed up. But I'm like, DT is going to make this. And not that. Uh, let me let me just say this. I'm not. This is me speaking, not from Diana. But I'm like, nah, she's going to wait for that ESPN debut. Like, they about to be <laughs> on national TV. She about to have this 40-point comeback. And, you know, because I think they played Washington. It was like a kid's game. You know, it was like 1130 game. I'm like, that can't be good for your back. And 11.30 Washington time is like 8.30 Phoenix time, you know? So I'm like, nah, she about to chill. And she's about to make this comeback. And there couldn't be a bigger hurdle for Connecticut than this. Like, you've already lost five games in a row, and now you have to face the team that has taken you out of the playoff the last two years. And Diane's back. And BG been playing like an MVP because I picked her preseason and I'm (laughs) watching her numbers rise game to game. Like this is this is a big test for Connecticut. Like I mean, we just talked about it. You got to get over the hump. Well, now that hump just got bigger. The hump could have been Minnesota at home. The hump could have been Atlanta at Atlanta. Now the hump is the Phoenix Mercury, and um, that's a tough one. Death. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be really tough, especially if Diana's coming back because we all know what she's probably going to do her first game back. Um, and they've won, I think, four out of their last five. Um, DB and BG have been just on a tear. They've been playing amazing. And Connecticut really needs a win, and I do not see it happening there. I don't. I, that's going to be a really tough game to come out, come out with a win it for. Man, I don't. I don't know. That's that's tough. They like Lachina said. They needed to get those those couple games before that mini or that Atlanta game to kind of get their confidence up and get prepared for this one because that's that's a really big hurdle to have to go over, especially considering they need it right now. And just to give a little bit more context to how well Griner and DB have been playing, they both rank in the top 10 right now in points per game and rebounds per game. So if they maintain this pace that they're on, they'll become the third duo in WNBA history to do so, which is the same company as Shamik's Holesclaw and Lisa Leslie in 05 and NECA and Candace uh, a couple of years ago in 2016. So that says a lot <laughs> about um, how well these two have been playing. And Connecticut hasn't hasn't had a six-game losing streak in several years. So um, maybe them playing at home can make the difference. I mean, uh, again, you were at the game, so you saw the most recently um, LaChina. And I'm just curious to know, like, what were, you know, some, some specifics as far as some specific players or some specific things that you noticed that kind of looked out of whack for them that, you know, maybe we hadn't seen at the beginning of the year? They just were looking so easily defeated, you know. I mean, you can read body language, and it was like they, they – this is an energetic team. This is a team that wants to do well. They all work hard. Like, I love this roster, and a lot of the players are young and, you know, recently out of college. They just play with this confidence, and that's what you like about Connecticut when they're rolling, the way they play in transition. And I just saw a team as the losses started to mount. I mean, that loss to, to Washington was one of the biggest losses in WNBA history. So it's like, what do you do after that? Right? Like, you got to find another level of confidence. And to me, in in that game against Minnesota, they were just easily knocked down a peg, you know, hanging their heads and um, just not the energy that we know for them to play with. I think they are definitely lis- missing Lasia Clarendon. 
uh, for sure, being a part of being able to get on the floor as a calming influence with her leadership, with her poise. You know, now everybody moves up a little bit in the depth chart, which there was a reason why you were the, where you were in the depth chart to begin with. And so it's an adjustment for Kurt Miller. It's adjustment of who you're now on the floor with versus who you were before. But, you know, John Cole Jones hasn't been playing particularly well and she's gotten into some foul trouble like she did in that Minnesota game. And unfortunately, but fortunately, when people put that MVP candidate on the front of your name, there's a high expectation that comes along with that. And it's not just that you're going to score buckets every night, but that you know how to, again, get your team over the hump. And, you know, she was obviously frustrated by some of the officiating and things that were happening. But this is just when you find out what you're made of as a player. Like, what what can you do? And, um, you know, I'm definitely looking for John Quell to have a big game. I think it's a statement game, especially she can, you know, put up numbers against Griner and Bonner and that kind of thing. So she's somebody I'm focusing on. But, I mean, it's going to take a collective effort. What have we always said about Connecticut? They're the team that does not have an Olympian. You know, they're the team that people see as the underdog because they don't have that one big star um, that's been the staple of every team that's won the WBA championship. So they have to play like that pack. You know, they talk about how they play that pack mentality. They have not been playing like a pack of wolves. They've been playing like five wolves on two different pages. Like they've got to come together and and really find that bite and get back in the game. All right. So is it safe to say that you and Dev are both taking Phoenix to win this game on Friday? Yeah. If Diana comes back, yes. There we go. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we are going to roll into halftime, but when we come back, we are going to very briefly touch on a pretty sensitive subject. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. Third quarter scouting report. All right, fans, we are back for our third quarter and we're just going to um, kind of come back to a topic that we discussed on a previous show. Um, we had a little bit of a conversation regarding L.A. Sparks's Raquana Williams, who is currently facing charges um, regarding relating to domestic violence. And just most recently, her agent spoke out and said that the NBA um, is allegedly urging the Los Angeles Sparks to suspend her while this case is still in progress. Um, there have been various opinions on whether or not the Sparks should have suspended her, um, should have picked her up with this looming over her. Um, the WNBA also does not have a specific policy that deals with how to handle situations like these. Um, but I wanted to kind of bring this back to the floor a little bit just to get your thoughts on, number one, you know, how you feel about if this is indeed what is happening, how you feel about the NBA kind of stepping in um, at this point and, 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 and I don't want to say making a decision, but kind of uh, leaning um, they're, they're what they think should happen on on the WNBA and two um, to once again, if you feel that this is something that the WNBA should have done from the very beginning and LaChina, I'll start with you. I mean, we've talked about it before, you know, on the podcast. And I've already said that I just think in all fairness to everyone mm-hmm. that this situation needs to be handled sooner rather than later. And what that means is until these charges are cleared up, 
then I don't think Raquana should be playing or should have to. And I don't, I, I know that sounds crazy because everybody assumes she wants to play. I, I don't know, you know, what her situation is because I know one thing. I wouldn't want to be out there on the court like with this hanging over my head with something that has not been, you know, decided with people asking me about it all the time. Like, I, well, we talk about what's fair because she's not been proven guilty, right? Like, it's still, we don't know if she did this or not or what's going to come out of the court case. So even her having to be subjected to all this, like, it's bad for everybody. And like I said before, you know, it's, it's to me about the kids. Like, kids going to Google and who's Raquana? And then this court case is popping up that it has not been resolved. And there's some heavy time behind this. So like, 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 She's playing on a, a very a stage, a, a platform where she's being, you know, elevated. And what if these charges end up being, she ends up being guilty? You know, like, I think the only way for everyone to feel better is for her to just get this taken care of as sooner as soon as possible and then come back. You know, I mean, I. I <laughs> It's awful what is being said in these in these charges, and it's just. But anyway, I, I did not know that the NBA could get involved. I'm wondering why that did not come from the WNBA. So that's a little weird to me. But yeah, I get it. Like I get why they're pressing because these are serious charges. And just to add a little context before um, before you go, Dev, um, the president, or shall I say what they're using as their claim, the, the NBA is Article 14 of the WNBA Collective Bargaining Agreement, which states in Section 1 under player obligations that players shall at all times conform their conduct to standards of good citizenship, good moral character, and good sportsmanship, and shall not do anything detrimental or prejudicial to the best interest of the WNBA, their teams, or the sport of basketball. But the problem is yeah. we don't know if she did anything. Exactly. Go ahead, Dev. That's the thing. Exactly. We don't know if she did it or not. Exactly. So that's so that's kind of null. Exactly. But go ahead, Dev. Yeah, I I honestly think um I like I said the first time, I think that um they should have let this ride out before they brought her back and they had the perfect opportunity to because the season hadn't started yet. But I also think that W is kind of dropping the ball. I don't know why the NBA is trying to go about it the way that they are because I don't even know how they would be involved. They don't that's that's odd to me. You're not involved really in anything else. So I don't know why you would try to step in in this. I think the W is dropping the ball though because um with you saying that we don't have any really regulations with any like domestic violence charges considering we've had multiple cases of domestic violence incidents in the league. Um I don't know why we wouldn't have any type of regulations put in yet. Um, so that's a little bit odd to me. I, I think all around they're just dropping the ball. I, I don't think that she should have been picked up. They should have let everything play out, see what happens, um, and then go from there. And now I just think it's just a bit of a mess. And now it looks even worse with the NBA feeling like look, they need to step in and take over um, because now it looks like the W made the wrong decision because – you have the NBA trying to step in and suggest that she shouldn't be playing right now. So I, I don't think that they went about it the wrong way. And I think now it looks even worse. Um, so I don't, I don't really know how you even take it from here. Cause even that article that they're saying, like LaShana said, that's, that doesn't really give any clarification either. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. They, she hasn't admitted guilt and she hasn't been convicted. So realistically, you know, that article doesn't really have basis here at this exact moment. But I'm sure we will keep our eyes on this situation um, as it progresses. And we are all, you know, hoping for the best out of this situation. I, I certainly am. And I know you guys are as well. But, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you, Dev. If the NBA hasn't really stepped in in any other circumstance it's very strange to me that they would use this one as one to to kind of step into but we'll be keeping our eye on it so uh with that ladies if there's no more let's head into our fourth quarter fourth quarter out of bounds well, China, I don't really have a lot in the fourth quarter today, but I did just want to give a couple of shout outs because uh, some people are doing some awesome stuff and they deserve to be commended. So first, I want to say thank you to everyone who helped ESPN raise $100 million for the V Foundation this week, um, which helps with cancer research. Um, Wednesday night, the ESPYs were held in L.A. And throughout the week leading up to the ESPYs, there were plenty of people far and wide who were uh, we had an auction here an ESPN radio auction there were uh, ESPN talent there were so many people who rallied around to help raise money for cancer research and to be able to accumulate a hundred million dollars which is a goal that the company set out to actually do it um amazing and so i personally i know i've been affected by cancer i've lost several members of my family who i love very dearly and were close to me to cancer so i just personally want to say thank you to everyone who participated whether it was a dollar whether it was just a tweet that you sent whether it was you know whatever whatever you did and whatever way you helped to, to make this happen thank you next I would like to say congratulations to the U.S. women's national team. Whoop, whoop. Okay. So much love for you guys. I know y'all tore New York up yesterday with y'all parade, and I'm just kind of hating that I wasn't able to be there. But congratulations, you ladies rock. You continuing to exemplify um, the, the beauty that is women in athletics, the beauty of women's sports, the beauty of women's soccer, and just the way that you all handle yourselves through the adversity, through, you know, the, the way that people continue to kind of talk smack about y'all. Um, yeah. I think y'all, y'all really like y'all held yourselves accordingly. And it is nothing wrong with being confident and being good. And that's how I saw it. They were good and they knew they were good and they were confident about it. And that's fine. Listen, I'm so excited for our women's soccer team. And I mean, I've, I obviously know Megan Rapino through Sue Bird. Yep. And um, I'll tell you this about Megan. The one thing that stands out to me about the times that I've been around her is just how humble and kind and thoughtful she is. Like we see her in her soccer element and she's having a good time and she's all that. But I've been with her in, you know, smaller environments with very few people around. And she is just an awesome person. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one of my first interactions with her was after a Seattle storm game. And um, one of my friends wanted a shirt that Seattle was giving out. They didn't have her size. So she was kind of pouting about it. And Megan just simply says, here, you can have mine. Takes her shirt, gives it to her, you know, sees someone in distress and just so calm, just hands over the shirt. Um, she's a cool person. And I'm, I'm very happy that she's getting the platform that she's getting and that the women's soccer team kicked butt. 
kick because there was butt. never any doubt. And yeah, I'm just happy for for women's sports in general. Like seriously, it's a it's a great moment for us all to show that we can dominate in our sports. Absolutely. Also, want to give a shout out to Stewie. She won the ESPY last night for Best WNBA Yay, Player. Yay, Stewie! Shout out to Stewie. And she gave us, she gave Maria, Maria Taylor, uh, did an interview with her when she won her award and she gave Maria a little update that she's 12 weeks out on her, uh, on her rehab and that she's taking it a day at a time. So we're still praying for you, Stewie. We know you're going to come back with a vengeance, but congrats. Well deserved. Go Stewie. And lastly, um, because I'm not going to let y'all dog LA the entire show. Let's show the spark some love for being the first WNBA team to win 450 games. Yes. They even surpassed the dynasty Houston Comets with games one. So congrats to the Los Angeles Sparks for this milestone. It is well deserved as well. You guys play hard and, um, y'all can regroup. You know what I'm saying? You can regroup, get this W, make me look good. All right. Here we go. That's all I got. <laughs> well, fans, that was Tarika's fourth quarter. Um, thank you for tuning in. And with that, don't forget to check us on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod. You can email us at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at She Knows Sports underscore. And Devereaux Peters is at Miss Peters 14. Uh, yeah, just make sure you subscribe and rate and comment on Around the Rim, and we'll continue to bring you women's basketball all day long. WNBA. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.